Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the College Football Playoff Show, where college football playoff contenders earn the right to be discussed and where the playoff never ends. Now, here are your hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. Welcome, welcome, one and all. Doug Maurice, Shahan Jeharaja. It's the big Wednesday pod. We're going to be ranking teams, everybody in our contender mix. We're going to be booting somebody out at the end. We got our tech subscribers who helped vote that in. Who's out? Cast your vote. They like that. They get fired up, Shahan. Is it something in our DNA that we just enjoy kicking people out of groups? I feel like I'm in middle school, and now, you know, where are they going to kick Jimbo or Dabo? They can't sit at our lunch table anymore. (laughs) I feel like it's very simply that this is a sport that we all watch and observe. And this kind of lets you feel like you're part of it, too, that that these teams that we love to watch, that these coaches who make millions of dollars, that we have some control and power over them. And I, I'm having fun doing it. I'm glad that everybody else is, too. Yeah, it's in my DNA. It certainly is in my DNA to, <laughs> to exclude people. No, no, no. I don't like it. Life is tough sometimes, man. You know, this conjures up some bad memories, too. Of like, when people don't want to be friends with you anymore, which is why I just don't have friends now, so I don't have to face that. Okay, so <laughs> but what we're going to do off the top is welcome. <clears throat> Again, this is strange to me. We're going to talk about teams we could welcome in. We're never going to let our group of contenders get above 12. Currently, it's at 11. We could welcome one. We could welcome two. We could welcome none. The rule for us is we have to boot somebody. But the welcoming can change based on what people earn. And if nobody earns it and whatever we do, we can't ever be above a group of 12. So let's talk about Shahan. Some I put out to four four teams. I gave our tech subscribers at 817-442-6789. And that's 817-442-6789. You send a text to that. You get signed up. It's a 14-day free trial, a dollar a month after that to get to exclude and welcome people to your life. The teams that I have in here as options are Baylor, Notre Dame, Arkansas, and Florida. And Notre Dame is a possible, not welcome, but welcome back. Because at your suggestion, Shahan, we kicked them out last week ahead of their matchup with Wisconsin. And then they beat Wisconsin and they're 4-0, but we've already booted them out. I will tell you, Shahan, that the texter vote on Notre Dame was pretty close. Where are you on Notre Dame in letting them back in right now? They play Cincinnati this week, which is another huge game for both those programs. Do you want Notre Dame in ahead of that game? I know what the final score was. I understand that it ended up being a three or four score game or whatever it ended up being. I also can say that the game wasn't that close and Wisconsin might suck. And 
I don't feel a need to introduce Notre Dame if we're not with without seeing them do it right. They're going to have a chance to play their way in this week. I think playing against Cincinnati, I'm in no rush to do it mostly because of what I saw the first three weeks. Obviously, I think the Wisconsin game was their most impressive moment. Uh, but no, I, I would not welcome that, them back in. I do think that's it. There's no rush because they're going to they win. They might take Cincinnati's spot next week because Cincinnati's in right now and Notre Dame is not. Definitely. The texture's pretty slim. 56% no. Okay. 44% yes. So Notre Dame's already on the edge. Notre Dame should feel good about getting back in if the Fighting Irish beat Cincinnati this week. I would also be a no on that. So we're a no on Cincinnati. How about Baylor? We spent a lot of time on Baylor off the top on our Tuesday show. I got a little hoodwinked by Travis. I was like, well, you know what? Baylor and Ole Miss, they are pretty much the same. And then I looked harder and I was like, no, they're not. So the idea that that Baylor did not play all that well, but still beat Iowa State, my mind is open to Baylor. They play a ranked team this week, week at Oklahoma State. I'm a no on Baylor right now, though. Where are you on Baylor right now? Yeah, honestly, I, I'm in no rush. Uh, I feel like we need to see more than one good game from them. W- one important game, I'll say, because obviously they beat a, a top 15 opponent. They're going to play a top 25 team this week. I, I think that just I need to see them get to 6-0, and 7-0, you know, beat some of these these better Big 12 teams. Um, you know, and even even thinking back to Ole Miss, right? Like we put them in because they beat up on a bunch of bad teams. I feel like the level that you have to do that at is just crazy to be considered for this, right? And and I think that Ole Miss also has some of the last year component working in their favor as well. So I again, no rush to do it. I would I would certainly vote no on them. Don't you start saying stuff that makes it sound like you regret putting Ole Miss in. We were geniuses <laughs> to get ahead of the Ole Miss train, right? You have no regrets on Ole Miss. We're we're gonna talk about them. I mean, uh, I, I think that we'll get to figure out this week. Win or lose, by the way, because I think that they can very much still lose this game and belong in our conversation. Uh, but I think we're going to figure out this Saturday as they play against number one Alabama of whether they can actually compete at that level. Well, that brings up an interesting case because Florida did that. Florida played with Bama and we, we're still not letting them in. They, they took Bama right down to the wire, right? So Baylor was not close. 92% no. 8% yes from the Texters. So all three of us are no on Baylor. Florida is the next team up. They just beat Tennessee. Three and one. Cool. See, but you just said if Old Miss hangs with Bama, you might let them in. Florida's like, we already did that. And Shahan hates us. Why do you still, why are you still out on Florida? Because they, they haven't been that impressive against the other teams that they face. They haven't been dominant, right? Like they beat Tennessee 38 to 14. Tennessee is awful, right? Like that's, that's further though than how they played South Florida, who's awful. They only beat FAU by twenty one. Like they have shown some nice stuff, but they have not shown enough to where I'm like, oh, they are massacring these teams. They are killing these teams, right? They're they're picking up nice normal victories against very bad teams, then played Alabama close, and eventually, I mean, gosh, we have to wait all the way until the end of October until they play anybody of substance. But like, eventually, they will. So they can play their way in. I, I'm not doing it because they played Tennessee. So I do agree with that. Anthony Richardson, who wowed everybody ahead of the Bama game, then pulled his hamstring, did not play in the Bama game, did not play against Tennessee last week. Dan Mullen, the Florida coach, said he could have played. He was 100%, but they were just being really, really cautious, continuing to be cautious. 
he'll probably be back this week. And with, if when Anthony Richardson starts dropping highlights again, running, passing, looking like an offensive tackle playing quarterback, I think Florida is going to get back on everyone's radars even more. Florida very well liked in the analytics rankings right now. I mean, they're like a top five team from some of those with that loss to Bama. I think I don't, I'm not a hundred percent beholden to that kind of stuff. Cause I do think the computers can, there's certain things you can do not to trick the computers. I can't trick a computer, but a football team sometimes can. I think that it's like the type of loss and the thing, you know, so I'm not insisting that Florida has to be in, but I just, we have to make sure they're on the radar. 82% no. Texter's not impressed with Florida hanging with Bama or beating Tennessee. 82% no. It's a no from the both of us. That's 0 for 3 for Bama. And that brings us to Arkansas. 4-0, beat Texas A&M last week, beat Texas earlier in the year, jumped into the top 10 of the polls, Shahan. I will tell you off the bat, the Texters are in. But barely. Again, this is the the high bar, high bar from our group. For a dollar a month, they are finicky, which I appreciate. But frankly, don't get too finicky or 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 why would you listen to this? So so again, make sure your your standards can be very high for the college football teams you vote for. For me, just you know, maybe maybe I'm the Baylor of podcast hosts. Go Bears! Bear with me. Like just let me slide in, even if I only beat Texas Southern and Texas State so far. They're in Arkansas, fifty-seven percent yes from the Texters. But again, that's four and zero with wins over Texas and Texas A&M. It's only still fifty-seven percent. Where where are you on Arkansas? I will say we'll get to it uh, later in the show. I had a very hard time putting together my ranking because what you realize is that there are two teams in America that have looked good, and everybody else you're kind of just like, well, their resume, well, they've done it, you know. Uh, Oregon, Iowa, Penn State, like, you don't feel like they look amazing, but guess what? They've stood up and done it. And that's how I feel about Arkansas, too. I don't think that it's always been the prettiest. I, I think that that game against Texas A&M, it, I feel like it should have been a little more dominant than it was, right? Just with the way that they dominated that game in the first half. Uh, but they've done it. I don't know whether Texas A&M's right now, especially with Zach Calzada, a top 10 team, but I know that they're a top 25 type team. I know that Texas is a top 30 type team. And so when when you have two of these types of games that they win pretty dominantly, that's enough. I, I, I think that they deserve to be in the discussion. I think that uh, their case is as good, if not better, than many of the teams that we have on their, this list. And they'll get a heck of a chance to prove it this week against number two Georgia. But uh, but two top 30-ish wins, I think, is a really good start, and they deserve to be in this discussion. And I, we do want to have a man ahead of this Georgia game so we can talk about him a little bit more. I'm a yes as well. So Arkansas will join the list. What does it do for you that when they played Texas in week two, they held Bijan Robinson to 69 rushing yards on 19 attempts? Does that do anything for you? That does, that does a little bit for me in trying to figure out, okay, well, let's not only look at the best teams they've played, but the best players they've played. Bijan Robinson this year, 137 against Texas Tech, 127 against Rice, 69 against Arkansas, 103 uh, in week one against Louisiana. That's a, that's a little something. 3.6 yards per carry for maybe the most, I don't know if he's the best running back in America right now because you have some veteran guys, right, like a Tyler Goodson and a Brees Hall and some guys who have done it, just some professional running back, C.J. Verdell. I think Bijan Robinson is the most dynamic running back 
in America. And he also might be the best. That's that's pretty good by Arkansas. Yeah, and I mean, not just that game, right, where they obviously dominated the trenches, but then going against Texas A&M, and Isaiah Spiller had 95 yards, 67 of them came on a breakaway run. But other than that, he I, I mean, I know it's easy to say, other than the breakaway touchdown, he was held in check, but like he was. He, he wasn't as much of a factor in the game. And the other thing, too, that really impressed me with the way that they defended the run against Texas A&M is that they did it with a light box. Like they were able to get there with three and then they kind of dropped a lot of guys back into coverage and were like, we don't care. We can we can stop you anyway with just our front three and front four. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it has to be what they've done in the trenches. That's been the most impressive thing that they've uh, that they've showed so far on both sides, by the way. I mean, this is this Texas A&M defensive line is a menace, one of the best in the country, if not I, I maybe the best in the country now that Brian Brisset is out at Clemson. So. I've been very impressed by, by what they've done in the trenches. I think other school talent has played really well. Uh, they, they just are finding ways to win games and are finding ways to dominate games without looking clean, I guess you'd say, right? Like yeah. th- there are teams that like Ohio State's one of those teams, right? Like they're clean when they, when they're going, it's like, Oh my gosh, this is the greatest execution. This is the greatest uh, schematic and you know, in all of football, they're explosive. And then there's like Iowa where it's like, Oh my gosh, I, I need to wash my eyes out and, but you know, they won and they dominated. They won by three scores and Arkansas is by no means that level, but they lean more a little that uh, direction and doing it against Texas A&M and Texas, two teams that I think are struggling right now on the offensive line, but also have recruited that position really well. They have talent. I, I think to dominate them like that gives me hope that this is not just beating up on struggling teams that this is, oh, this is a really good unit uh, or two really good units, uh, and they're going to be able to do it even when they play against the Alabamas and the Clemsons, which we're going to see, obviously, starting this upcoming week. So Arkansas is in. Arkansas is going to bring us to 12 for now in our discussion of college football playoff contenders. Arkansas joins Cincinnati, Clemson, Texas A&M, Penn State, Iowa, Oregon, Ohio State, Ole Miss, Oklahoma, Alabama, and Georgia. At the end of the show, we will kick out one of those teams, so we will get back to 11. And then a week from now, we'll see who else can maybe join uh, our group here as we continue to sort of work our way through who deserves it and who doesn't. A quick heads up, this is the Wednesday pod that is available on all podcast platforms. And we are grateful to everybody who's listening right now. We have made our Tuesday podcast for Friends of the Pod. That's a subscriber podcast now, pretty nominal fee. I would say. And I did not communicate that in the best way before it happened. It's a new initiative that our company is is undertaking. Um, we're we're going to keep giving you guys this big Wednesday pod just for loving college football and giving us a shot. And, and again, we're so grateful for that. So thank you for listening. The texts are a little extra, right? The texts are $1 a month. That's an extra. That gets you involved in the show. That makes you part of the Wednesday show. For a dollar a month, you're a producer on the Wednesday show, which you can listen to for free on any podcast platform. So that's one kind of bonus extra way to feel a little more connected to us here on the College Football Playoff Show. That's 817-442-6789. This other thing is we just, we got to try to make a little cash. You're like, Shahan and I are going to be put on ice flows and sent out into the water, right? I mean, that's it for them. Well, they made it like 25 episodes and then nobody cared and then they were gone. It's on Apple Podcasts. They have this new thing that they've introduced where you can subscribe 
through Apple. So it's like on your iPhone, you go to the college football playoff show, where you would find us normally, and the Tuesday episodes from now on are going to show up as subscription episodes. And you go in there, you click a button on our page in Apple Podcasts on your iPhone, you do your thumb thing or whatever. My thumb thing doesn't work. I think I might be a ghost. I've never had a thumbprint work. I always have to type in my passwords and stuff. Does your thumbprint work? How do you get it to work? Mine is non-existent. We we are uh, living in the future, man. We're we're on to the the face ID. I don't know. It's been like three gens back that uh, that we had the thumbprints. No, a, fa- a face thing. A computer has never recognized my face. I can't. I don't understand it. I that would be a good. Would that be a good? That wouldn't be a good like Netflix series. The podcast host who was a ghost and turned out was just talking to nobody and it was going out into the universe. So listen, whatever your thumb, your face, your code, your password, whatever it is, you sign it on Apple. You guys know how to do it. It's like. Here's what an iPhone is. Are we there? If I know what an iPhone is, you know what an iPhone is. You sign in there to the page. You click the button. And for $2.99, not an episode. It's not 3 bucks per episode. It's $3 a month. So you get four Tuesday episodes for that. It's 75 cents an episode. And on the Tuesday episode, we take questions from our tech subscribers. We give our, our thoughts on what just happened. The Tuesday episode is kind of like recapping what happened. Wednesday's looking a little ahead. Right. So that's we're still doing two episodes a week. If you joined us, you're still getting that Wednesday one no matter what. Awesome. Thank you. We love it. Tell your friends. Tweet about it. Get on Facebook. Call your grandma. Hey, grandma, I know you don't like college football, but you really should try this. And then Tuesday, Nan, you're hardcore. You love us. You're a friend of the pod. We're so grateful. $2.99 a month. It's only on Apple for now. That's just the way it has to be. We're still working on it. We're trying to be better every week. And I need to be better keeping you guys informed on what's up. So that's on me. If you want to sign up for the texts to yell at me, I don't know if that's a great pitch. Doug made a mistake. Pay a dollar a month to tell him what an idiot he is. 817-442-6789. I apologize for not communicating that more clearly. We don't want you guys to feel like we're trying to trick you because we're not. I swear, it's not a trick. It is just my incompetence. Sean, can you testify to that? Does that sound right to you? (laughs) Hey man, it's it's a big crazy world. Things change all the time. Uh, and you know what? This is just one of those times. This is one of those things. So Tuesdays on Apple Podcasts for $2.99 a month. Wednesdays on Apple, Spotify, wherever. Google Podcasts, everywhere you can find us. We're grateful you're here. When we come back, Shahan and I are going to rank our top 10, our top 12 teams now. we got 12 in the mix. But first, on the other side of the break, Ben Garrett, an old Miss 24-7 writer and podcaster from 24-7 Sports joins us to give us an old Miss breakdown because Dougie likes his old Miss. I can't help myself. Big game with Bama this week. Ben is awesome. When you get done listening to him, you're going to want to go listen to his old Miss podcast and say, I want to know even more about this week. Old Miss Bama. We'll do that next on the College Football Playoff Show. In case you missed yesterday's show. The biggest shocker for me is just how uncomfortable DJ Uyunglele looks in there. When they don't get the ball out of his hands immediately, he doesn't look like he knows what to do. And they have not helped him with the play calling and the skill guys and the offensive line to put him in a position to look good. He's a good player who has not looked good for a month. 
it's been surprising. If they're not going to have a consistent presence who's experienced at running back, if they're not going to have a good offensive line, if they're not going to have receivers that get separation, and then on top of that, you have a quarterback who's struggling to figure things out as the game speeds up, there's not that much that you can really change. If it's one thing, you can scheme around it. It is every phase of the offense right now that looks terrible. Catch every episode wherever you get your podcasts. It's the College Football Playoff Show. Going down the College Football Playoff Show by Ben Garrett, the editor of the Old Miss Spirit from 247 Sports. He is... Man, we've been talking fold laundry for like 30 seconds, and I can already tell. I know why people love your podcast, Ben. But as much as I'd like to talk about what it's like fold laundry, because that's real-life stuff, (laughs) describe to me what Ole Miss fans are feeling this week as they get ready for this Bama game. How jacked up are they? Well, first of all, if folding laundry is the draw for my podcast, then, man, I'm doing well for myself, you know? Like, I'm I'm really pulling it in. But Ole Miss fans are fired up, and you can tell this has uh, been a two-week buildup, especially after Ole Miss handled Tulane the way that it did. Ole Miss has done everything it could possibly do within its first three games to impress, first starting off by absolutely running over Louisville. And Louisville's actually turned out through their last three games and winning all three to be a pretty good football team to make them look so pedestrian after we've actually seen some weeks of evidence that, that kind of shows that and bears that out. It's just um, giving Ole Miss fans a lot of confidence and looking down the schedule, seeing how the SEC's played out, to be to believe that they're the second-best team in the SEC West right now, the team that is the biggest threat right now through three games for Ole Miss, um, the biggest threat to kind of challenge the king that is Alabama. And Ole Miss has done this before. I mean, in 2014, it was almost the exact same scenario. At that time, Ole Miss was number 11. This year, they're number 12. At that time, they're 4-0. This time, they're 3-0. Um, Alabama was number one and number three in the polls. They're number one in both polls this year. So Ole Miss has been in this scenario before, been in this situation before. The only difference is it's on the road, but in 2015, they did it again. So um, having Lane Kiffin and the confidence of this offense that has just hit the ground running, been better all around than it was last year when it was a record-setting offense in program history, has just given Ole Miss fans a lot of confidence that um, they otherwise didn't have for years, especially after Hugh Freeze and the mess that, was the the last four or five yeah. years to go into this game knowing that not only do you have a sh- chance to win, but um, you're going to go toe-to-toe with Alabama, really give them your best shot. And that's why I was so surprised when I saw the line was like minus 20 for Alabama. That was somewhat surprising to me, but I guess that's, you know, Vegas knows what we don't know. But um, if you've watched Ole Miss for the first three weeks, you can tell that offensively they're even better than they were last year. And defensively they're far improved because – one thing that gets lost is that Ole Miss was so historically bad last year defensively. I'm talking about the 120s in almost every major st- statistical category. And while they're in the, about the 70s, 60s this year, they're number seven overall in defensive efficiency. And if this was any other team like an Oklahoma or an LSU, you just pick a team that's a perennial power or whatever, and you look at the numbers and what, they're, what Ole Miss is doing and took the Ole Miss script off their helmet, you would not get a 20-point favorite in Alabama going to the weekend. You would think that this would be – the biggest game in college football, which it kind of is because if Ole Miss wins this game, it sets itself up um, in a way that not only provides itself wiggle room as far as like pursuing its first trip to Atlanta, but um, puts it in the catbird seat for winning the West and maybe, you know, putting itself in position for a playoff spot, just all these things if it wins that it otherwise wouldn't have if it loses. If it loses, 
Obviously, you're counting on Alabama to lose twice, but you can still make the playoff this, that, and the other. Point being is that this is the biggest game since 2014, um, and Ole Miss has every bit of confidence as it had back in 2014 that it can go in there and win. Ben, you make an interesting point. Uh, To me, Ole Miss so far has had the season that I think a lot of people thought Oklahoma would have. Matt Corral, to me, looks like the best quarterback in the country. They've been piling up points. Their defense has improved. O- Oklahoma continues to struggle. There's a head-to-head. They both played Tulane, and Old Miss looked 100 times better against Tulane than Oklahoma did. Um, it, it, but there doesn't seem to be anything missing with Old Miss. I think we're used to these, you know, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, these teams at the top, you know, they've dominated the playoff era. And then sometimes when teams are coming up on them, you think, well, they can do this, but they can't do this. The point you're making, it feels like the Ole Miss offense is as good as anybody. The defense is much improved. Where Does Ole Miss feel a step short to you anywhere, or do you really think they have a chance to go toe-to-toe with Bama in this game? I think they have a chance to go toe-to-toe, but you make a really good point. Like The thing that really sticks out to me is by watching the games over the course of the last month, it makes it that much more ridiculous that we rank teams in the preseason because if we didn't, if we actually had some games that were played, I don't think anybody would have Clemson in the top 25 yet because they're Clemson, despite being two and two and unimpressive in their two and two start are still in the top 25, number 25 and Oklahoma remains in the top 10, even though Oklahoma has done nothing to impress so far. But your point about how Ole Miss has basically done what everyone thought Oklahoma would do is exactly right because Spencer Rattler was crowned a long time ago as the next great college quarterback that would inevitably go on to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And that still could happen. And there's still a ton of um, confidence that Spencer Rattler is going to be a great NFL quarterback, but he hasn't had the start in college football that this year that many people thought he would to really separate himself. And in a draft class that is really QB one wide open. So Matt Corral, Sam Howell, uh, Spencer Rattler, you pick your guy, any one of those guys could emerge, but of that group, the one who's been most impressive is Matt Brown. Yes. Of the yes. last 10 Heisman Trophy candidates, or Heisman Trophy winners, excuse me, only Lamar Jackson and RG3 had as many touchdowns as Matt Crowell through three games. So what Matt Crowell has done is nothing short of record-setting and answering any and all critics. And it's not like he's doing it against the Sisters of the Poor. He's yep. doing it against Louisville. He did it against Tulane, who went toe-to-toe with Oklahoma. He did it against Austin P. And Austin P is going to be a playoff team in FCS. And not only did they beat these teams, but they whipped these teams. They got all over Tulane. In Tulane, there was a lot of thought of, oh, don't look overlook Tulane. You got for Alabama in two weeks. You know, Tulane's a good team. They can beat you. They got an – I mean, Lane Kiffin called them an SEC-quality team. And yet, what did they do? They dominated that team. They made that team like they did Louisville, who's proven to be a good team look pedestrian. The only concern I think is still waiting to see how this defense holds up against the highest of competition because Ole Miss has been so bad defensively for so long that it's really hard to believe that they've made this big jump. There wasn't really this sense of confidence that they made a turnaround after you saw them play against Austin P because they looked a lot of, did a lot of the same things, bus plays that made them really bad for so long. But then you start to factor in the short week and um, how Louisville, there was such, such a high energy and vibe and, and juice for that game. And you turn around and against Tulane, they looked more like the Louisville defense. Okay, so now we can chalk that up maybe to the, the short week and whatever. But Alabama's the first real test. So if that defense does go out there and does keep Alabama 
um, to a reasonable number. I think the right now the line said like 80, which seems about right, you know, because defensively we don't know how Ole Miss is going to respond. But we know offensively Ole Miss is going to score points. No one has stopped them. Alabama yep. didn't stop them last year. And if you get behind this Ole Miss team, unlike last year, if you get behind this Ole Miss team, it's going to be really hard, if not impossible, to catch up. So a fast start matters. And I think that what Ole Miss has proven, and you kind of got to side with them on this, is that we need to start believing that this offense is what it is. It has, it's not like this started happening recently. This has been this way since Lane Kiffin got here. They did this against Florida in their opener of last season when they got beat really badly by Florida because their defense was so bad. So offensively, we know they're going to go toe-to-toe. Defensively, have they really turned around in a meaningful way? Right now, like I said, seventh in the country in defensive efficiency. If that holds, that's national championship contending stuff. And if it were any other program, like you mentioned, like in Oklahoma, no one would be questioning this. But because it's Ole Miss, and understandably so, but because it's Ole Miss, there is a question. And this weekend will bear out how close or maybe in the same breath Ole Miss is with Alabama and other national championship contenders or other playoff contending teams. I, I hope you guys listening are getting a sense of why you need to check out Talk of Champions, the podcast that Ben is a part of. You, you can hear the passion and the football knowledge is just falling out of Ben's head here. I mean, this is really good stuff, Ben. There's two specific things I want to ask you before we get out of here. One is the idea to me, you know, Bama doesn't have the offensive firepower it did last year. That's clear. I mean, Bryce Young has played very well, but but they are not Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Najee Harris kind of an offense right now. So Ole Miss doesn't have to stop them. They just have to get enough stops, get off the field a couple times on third down, that if Ole Miss gets to 42, that holds up. But Matt Corral specifically, right? What did he have, three or four rushing touchdowns last time out? He's hurting teams with his legs when it's there. He's dropping throws in the bucket. What is it to you? How would you describe him to people that have not watched a ton of Mac Corral? What makes him great as a quarterback? Well, first and foremost, it's the arm strength. You make a really good point about Alabama offensively. They're going to score. They're good offense, but they're not the same offense. I think that's why people look at Alabama and say they're vulnerable is because they don't have the kind of star power we're used to seeing. Basically, you know, they they went, they replaced Jalen Hurts with Tua. They replaced Tua with Mac Jones, and all those guys are starting the NFL. So I understand that, but Bryce Young is great, and he's a Heisman can, uh, contender, a Heisman candidate. But offensively, they're not the powerhouse Alabama that we're so used to seeing over the course of the last however many years when they've basically been number one every single year. But Matt Corral in this offense, it's, it runs through him. And last year, it was by design. Elijah Moore was who their offense ran through because Matt Corral at the time was not established as a quarterback. The year before that, uh, Matt Corral, I mean, excuse me, Matt Luke and Rich Rodriguez they turned to John Rice Plumley as their quarterback because he fit that archaic Rich Rod, you know, late 2000s Pat White type West Virginia offense, and Matt Corral didn't. But once Lane Kiffin got on campus, the first thing he did was open the quarterback competition, which really wasn't a competition because Matt Corral won it really early. And then he ran the offense through Elijah Moore, told Elijah Moore when he got on campus, you're going to set records as Ole Miss's best wide receiver ever. That's exactly what happened. Well, now – because Matt Crow got that full year in and he had the full trust of his coach, including those two blow-up games against Arkansas and LSU when he threw for five, six interceptions. I think 11 of his 14 interceptions came in those two games. When that happened, look, I mean, Lane Kiffin didn't remove him. He kept him in there. He stood behind him. And that was huge for his development, which has opened him up this year because Arkansas did a lot of drop eight against him, which caused all those interceptions. He was forcing things. 
LSU did the same thing. But then he gets Louisville, Brian Brown, former Ole Miss defensive back, now the defensive coordinator at Louisville. He tried to do the same drop eight against Matt Crowell, but what did he do? He didn't force anything. He used his legs. And that's something mm. that has been kind of underappreciated about what Matt Crowell can do. No, he's not John Rice Plumley, but he can he can beat you with his legs. He's a really athletic quarterback, and he's not going to force anything down the field. He's not going to turn the ball over by just forcing it into coverage like he did against LSU and Arkansas. And that's the biggest area of growth. But where it starts is with the arm strength, because the arm strength has always been elite-level arm strength. Ever since he was in high school as a um, U.S. Army All-American and when he was being coveted by Florida and every California school, and Ole Miss went out uh, because, first of all, they had a need there, but also um, they they pursued him for exactly what he is, and that is a deep ball threat. And, and he's always shown that, the ability to just sling it. And, like, for example, in the Egg Bowl, the infamous Egg Bowl that resulted in Elijah Moore yep. faking like he was peed, um, Matt Crowell kind of drew up that fourth down play to Braylon Sanders on his own. I mean, that went against what the coaches called, and he just bombed a, a ball to, to Braylon Sanders and completed it and set Ole Miss up for that touchdown that would be game-winning or game-tying touchdown. And um, that just shows that he has that mentality. He has that arm strength, and they've harnessed that, have Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy, but also they've removed the part of his game that's really been holding him back, which is forcing things when he doesn't have to, understanding that, you do have an ability to beat teams with your legs. You do have room because of the spread of the offense and how wide open it is. And he's really taken to that and shown a maturity this year that he didn't have last year because he needed a year, a full run of confidence and belief in QB1 um, runway, which he got. And now he's really settled in. He knows exactly who he is. And he understands what he's looking at defensively. No longer is a drop eight or any kind of defense like that going to confuse him. He just takes what, what is given to him. And I think that was really shown um, pretty well in the first game against Louisville. We didn't have his first touchdown in the fourth quarter, which is unheard of because you think, oh, my God, look at all the, the touchdowns and the yardage he's put up. He didn't have his first touchdown in the fourth quarter against Louisville because he kept taking what they gave him, and what did they do? They absolutely whipped up on Louisville. So that's the biggest thing. You're going to love – I mean, you're going to watch his arm strength and love the arm strength, but then the decision-making, the maturity. Now he's grown there, which really shows how far he's come. All right, Ben, last thing on this. We know – I think all of us have- – absolutely has a chance to win this game. I'm not sure that I'm – my inclination is I think Ole Miss is going to win this game. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Oh, wow. But, okay. I mean, I really do. I've been talking about Ole Miss for two weeks on the show. Um, my, my, my question is this. Do you still – Ole Miss has to bring its A game. If they don't play an A game, oh, yeah. you're, not, you're not going to take Bama down. Lane Kiffin, the way he runs this program, the culture he's created Ole Miss, the way he goes about things, we know it's going to be a whole thing again about how no assistant of Nick Saban's has beaten Nick Saban once he became a head coach. At some point, somebody's going to do it. What is your belief? Can Lane Kiffin get Ole Miss to play its A game against Alabama? I do think sometimes programs that are stepping up to try to take on an opponent like this you can get in your own head you can make big too big of a deal out of it whatever what do you think the vibe will be around the program and can lane kiffin get everybody's head right to give give old miss a chance here i do and the reason why is because culturally that's what they've built that's what they've cultivated is the belief that it's i know it's cliche but it's one week at a time. It's a very pro mindset that they take here. Lane Kiffin allows his coaches to coach. He allows his players to do their work. As long as you just do your job and you go out there and you do your work and you put in the work, everything else, it'll come. And that's exactly what this team has done. There is a very loose vibe to this team because they do treat it as they should anyway, because they're not 
amateurs. They're not student athletes. They're football players first. But he treats them like football players first and understanding that this is your number one job. And if you approach this as your job, we're going to get our work done. Then everything else, it will fall into place. And that's exactly what has happened. Now, I'm not saying that's going to lead to Ole Miss beating Alabama because Alabama, I mean, you, you can rattle off any number of stats, the number one being that no assistant has beaten Nick Saban. But last year, I want to remind people, they almost beat Alabama. <laughs> Much right. more undermanned and and far less equal to Alabama than than they are this year. This year, it's much more even footing. The question, of course, becomes defensively, uh, are they truly improved? Because the reason why they couldn't beat Alabama, couldn't pull it off last year, they just couldn't get enough stops. Um, offensively, they continue to um, put up week after week the, the confidence knowing that they're going to go out there, they're going to score points, no one has slowed them down. So I think Alabama will throw some wrenches in the thing, sure. But I, I still think that Ole Miss is going to score. I don't think that's going to be an issue here. What's going to be an issue here? Or is their, um, their mindset going to be an issue here? Because that's just not how this program operates anymore. It's not about can you up, you know go and beat up Big Brother in Alabama. It's more or less, let's put in the work, let's do the job, let's go out there and give it the best shot, and then move on to next week. It's been like that every single week, and they've really taken to that, that pro mindset that you see in the NFL. I mean, the NFL guys, that it. They don't go out thinking, oh, God, we're the Dallas Cowboys and we got to go play the Patriots this week. Patriots have done this, this, and this. They just prepare. And that's exactly what they do. And I think Lane Kiffin's great about he doesn't take himself too seriously at all. And he's kind of uh, taken away that aspect of it. I think a lot of the times we, we put too much emphasis on those kind of things in sports and we take sports way too seriously. And because Lane Kiffin, that's not his personality, this team has taken on that personality. If it's not that serious, just do your work. Be the best you today. Do the very best you can. Put in your put in the best time and effort that you can, and the results are going to be successful because Lane Kiffin has proven to be successful. So they're going to get a great shot as Alabama uh, against Ole Miss on Saturday. I'm like you. I, I don't really know if I'm predicting Ole Miss to win. Actually, I, I think Alabama is going to win the game, but I do think that a 20 point dog to Alabama this weekend is just incredibly short sighted, considering what Ole Miss has shown, the evidence it's shown for over a year now if not close to two years now, under Lane Kiffin and the mentality that they take. They're, they've never once shown that they've been intimidated by any team. They've never gone in and made stupid mistakes. I mean, you could obviously point to Mac Brown, the Arkansas interceptions and the LSU interceptions, but that's more about his own mistakes. He, he you know, he just not taking what's given to him and all this kind of stuff. It wasn't about being intimidated or anything. It was more yeah. just making yeah. mistakes on his own. So I, I just, I think what's going to happen this weekend is going to be a hell of a game. and. Um, you're going to see two teams that approach it very similarly as far as professional mindset. And at the end of the day, whoever's the cleanest is going to win. And I think it's going to be a close game. And I think Ole Miss has its best team to go toe-to-toe with Alabama that it's had even since 2014. 2014 felt like an upset, yes. right? And it was responded to like an upset. The goalpost came down at Vaught Hemingway Stadium. This won't feel like that. And it's not supposed to. And in, in, in any other year, Ole Miss, Alabama, it would be that way because Ole Miss historically has been terrible against Alabama. That's the kind of environment and culture that Lane Kiffin has cultivated that we're talking about here, that it won't feel like to them an upset because the process is kind of what they've trusted to this point. I got to say, Ben, when I watch Emory Jones move the ball like he did for Florida in the second half Alabama, and I think, can Matt Corral do that for a whole game? My instinct is, yeah, I think he can. And yeah. then I think, then I think it's on. Uh, ben Garrett, talk of champions is the old Miss podcast that if you guys want to get geared up for this game, try talk of champions available wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Ben and his co-host there breaking this down. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a fun week. And I think 
I think Ole Miss has a real shot here. And if Ole Miss can do this, then Ole Miss goes right into the thick of the playoff discussion with anybody in the country. Um, Ben Garrett, thank you for taking time out of your day to join us, and uh, hopefully we'll catch you down the line. Enjoyed it, Ben. Thanks, bud. Doug and Shahan back. Ben, so good, so good. I'd recommend that podcast to anybody. Really fun, really fun. I, I just the you can't entertaining and smart, and it just came out of Ben, and you could tell right away. So let's do our rankings now, Shahan. We've got twelve in the mix. We're going to kick somebody out at the end. There's a couple big games that I really want to talk about. Who's your number twelve? I mean, it's it's Clemson. I, I don't know how you could have anybody except for Clemson number twelve on this list. It's one thing to lose to Georgia. It's one thing to play a close game against Georgia Tech, but then going and following up a six point win over Georgia Tech, who with a loss to to a North Carolina State in overtime, it's over, man. I, I I don't know. I don't know what this is. We talked about it a lot on the Tuesday show, like. It's this is just not going to be a good Clemson year. And the other thing about this, and we'll we'll get to obviously whether we vote them out, uh, them or Texas A&M most likely out later. But this might just be the end for the ACC this season. I mean, it's kind of down to Boston College or Wake Forest. And I love me some Wake Forest. Uh, if, if you listen to the Tuesday show, uh, Doug is a Wake Forest hater, uh, which we that's will- fair. Hold them, okay. We will hold him accountable. Don't worry when they go 12 and 0 and make the college football playoff. <laughs> but, but if it's not for Wake Forest, if it's not for Boston College with the backup quarterback, I, I, I don't know if this is happening. Yeah. Clemson, actually, I had a little trouble with my rankings this week too. I have Clemson five. No, I don't. No, I don't. I have Clemson 12. <laughs> Can you imagine? I'm just, oh my gosh. I'm, I'm just desperate. Uh, well, Shahan, let me make my case. Uh, I think Clemson can win games six to three the rest of the way with an ineffective offense. All right, we got well, Clemson. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, the uh, Ole Miss fans, watch out because the last time that Doug went all in on a team without seeing them actually have data against anybody, it was Iowa State. So you know, just be careful. That felt personal. That's 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 why we're here to take personal shots at each other's lack of football knowledge. Clemson is twelve for both of us. Who's your eleven? Uh, my eleven is Texas A and M. Um, they're going to be right on the edge as well. Not just this week, but I think heading forward, uh, they've got a, a bad loss to to Arkansas. And the other thing too is that they just haven't looked very good. They still have the ability to play themselves in. Um, but you know, I was I was uh taking the ire of of a couple of Texas A and M fans on Twitter yesterday because I was like. They've got this top 300 recruit uh, at quarterback who they moved to tight end, which I understand because I think that uh, he's had some injury issues and also they are shallow at tight end and they thought that they had guys at quarterback. But like at this moment with a coach who is known for developing quarterbacks, at least historically and historically starting to become very long ago, I don't understand how you can have a team that started top 10 in the country this year with this level of quarterback play. Yeah. It is unbelievable. It is I'm I'm trying to think of like legit teams of the past several years who have had quarterback plays that and I I recognize Haynes King is out. Zach Calzada was not supposed to play, but this is a guy who pushed Haynes King into training camp. Right? Like this is not a nobody. This is somebody who's been here for 3 years and you look at every quarterback stat in the SEC. There's a bottom two. It's Texas A&M and it's Vanderbilt. And I'm sorry, you don't want to be in that conversation right now in the SEC. You're a Vanderbilt hater. 
I might, I, I might be awake for I, I will. You know what? <laughs> you don't if own you, that if you own a hating I'll Vanderbilt. own that if you're gonna. If I will take that trade off, you can hate four and zero Wake Forest, and I'll hate <laughs> lost by twenty points to an FCS team Vanderbilt. Uh, all right, Texas A&M is my eleven as well. Uh, all right, so those are that's a clear bottom two. Yeah, this is where it gets kind of mucky. I, I almost think three to ten. Right. Well, I mean, we know who's going to be one and two, three to ten. I think there's a lot of arguments. Maybe not. Maybe not. Three, maybe four to ten. I do have Ohio State ten, and uh, it's I still, do too. It's like a holding pattern for them. Still, they played their backup quarterback Kyle McCord, a true freshman, against Akron last week. They won by fifty-two points. The defense did look better. Defense had a bunch of sacks. What was it? I don't know, seven or eight, nine sacks. Akron's you know offensive line was just overwhelmed. That's just an overmatched team. Akron's in the bottom that's, five. That's a bottom five team in America. That's a bottom five team. Rutgers this week at Rutgers, then homecoming, home against Maryland next week for Ohio State, then into a bye, then Indiana, Penn State. So we're going we're gonna to start figuring it out. Rutgers, to me, is the kind of team that's not afraid of Ohio State. I think a lot of teams in the Big Ten play like they are. Greg Schiano is a former assistant at Ohio State, obviously is the king of Rutgers football, is, is going to take his shot. I'm not saying that Rutgers has anywhere close to Ohio State's talent. This will be a little more of a push. And then Talia Tonga Iowa is getting some stuff done at Maryland. We'll talk about that more with Iowa because Maryland and Iowa play this week. But we're going to find out more about Ohio State as we speak. We don't exactly know what the quarterback situation is. This will sort itself out. CJ Stroud is still going to be the guy. He's not, he had a sore shoulder. So they rested the shoulder. It's more a hurt than an injury. They kind of just wanted to rest and let him recover. Kyle McCord wasn't great, was clearly nervous. But I thought made some pretty good throws. I think it's still – I would want to see more of Kyle McCord as they work this out. And part of the issue is Ohio State has talent in the quarterback room. DJ Uyunglele does not look good, but nobody's talking about getting a look at anybody else because I'm not sure who they would look at, right? It's not the same thing, and he's a five-star guy. So, you know, Kyle McCord's a five-star guy. He's a five-star true freshman that got a look last week. Trevor Henderson's still really good at running back. If the defensive line, if what they showed against Akron wasn't just – overwhelming and overmatched team if it was the beginning of something that would be huge for that defensive line they're starting to figure out the back end a little bit more more too high safeties all this stuff they're creeping along shahan and it's almost it's it's a pretty good build up the next four weeks it's almost stepping stones rutgers maryland indiana penn state with the buy-in between but they are building up to something and right now they're here but there's compared to clemson and we've been comparing the Clemson offense to the Ohio State defense all year. The Clemson offense eventually torpedoed Clemson. Ohio State still has the chance, not a guarantee, but the chance to recover and fix its biggest flaw. Yeah, there are, there's a group of, I think, four teams here that I have next four on the list. And they're the teams that haven't necessarily done anything wrong, but haven't necessarily done anything right at this point either. And they're kind of, to some extent, they're they're in here just because we expected them to be here. Um, Ohio State's my my 10th of those teams. My I did not watch a second uh, of the game against Akron because I have better things to do with my life uh and so the Again, a uh, shot an absolute <laughs> shot to a guy who was in that press box for four hours on saturday night but thank uh, you and my 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 only analysis uh do you know the name uh, obviously rutgers the team of new jersey do you know the name of rutgers kicker rutgers kicker yes there's is no reason jo- that you should is it johnny is it johnny no okay it is uh it is valentino ambrosio 
Oh, so, yeah. Now remember so, that guy. You know, we, we are going New Jersey as hell. That's why they're not scared, baby. They're up to fight, man. They're they're ready. They're going to be ready. Greg Shiano's got him. I, re- I respect what Greg Shiano was doing there because they're, they were so depressing for so long, and he's given them a shot. The stuff that Rutgers was doing last week, they, tr- they did one of those. They tried to go on fourth down where they had like the like the quarterback look at the sideline like what's the play what's the play and then the running back went and went under center and took the snap Ooh, and they I got like stopped that. they did another one of those offensive plays where it was like three receivers on one side three receivers on the other three offensive linemen and the quarterback and the running back and they snapped it and ran like that formation is legal if you do it the right way they didn't right. do it the right way so they got an illegal formation penalty <laughs> but they're trying man they're trying and I, I respect love the try. I respect the try. And and right. honestly, I mean, Rutgers this upcoming week, who I think is very underrated. Maryland the next week, I think they might have one of the best quarterbacks in America and Talia Tungavailoa. Indiana, I think, you know, hopefully you survive. And then Penn State, I think, is an interesting game. So I don't know how good any of these next four games are going to be, but I think they're going to be really interesting. And we'll get a read on Ohio State one way or the yes. other. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know. Even if they don't look great, but they still managed to win. I think you'd at some point you have to say, well, you know, I don't know. They're pretty good wins. You know, that, that that's, we want to figure these guys out because we know what bad Ohio state lose to Oregon looks like, but are they getting better? They're, we're going to figure that out in the next month. Nine. I have Oklahoma. I have Ole Miss. Uh, I get it. I understand uh, having Oklahoma nine. I still, you know, I'll admit I, there's obviously going to be some preseason stuff there uh, coloring it. I do have Oklahoma right after that. I have them eight. Um, Ole Miss, you know, I, I know that you love the the head-to-head two-lane thing. Again, I just think that it's two programs in different kind of uh, places, one in prove-it mode, one in let's just let's just get through the game, let's just finish it off, which is what, it, what they did against this week against uh, West Virginia, of course. Um, I'm excited to see what Ole Miss does against a quality opponent because we haven't had a chance to see it as yet. So let's do the Oklahoma conversation first, and then we'll get to the Ole Miss conversation because I have 19 minutes of Ole Miss stuff. (laughs) Well, I watched all of Oklahoma, West Virginia. And when the game ended, I thought to myself, West Virginia is the better team. There was nothing in watching that game. And West Virginia's playing two quarterbacks. I think they both came out, both teams came out and like drove down the field and and right away to start the game. And then their offenses kind of bogged down. Eric Gray is, I think, definitely the best running back for Oklahoma. Back to our Kennedy Brooks conversation from the beginning of the year. But Spencer Rattler, just it's the same stuff again and again. We did have a Spencer Rattler conversation on Tuesday. The crowd chanting Caleb Williams' name, couple little boos. I mean, that's a 16-13 game. I thought West Virginia should have won. I thought well, they, they I, I thought they moved the ball better. There was nothing fluky about anything. It's just like, well, those are two pretty evenly matched teams, I think, and West Virginia is slightly better, but somehow Oklahoma managed to win. How can that be the how can that be where we are with this Oklahoma team? Are they going to ever snap out of it because if I'm a committee member and we had a conversation on a Tuesday pod, hey, you know, would, would an undefeated Oklahoma ever get left out of the playoff? And that's not going to happen. But, man, they are hard to watch, but somebody's going to get them if they don't get their stuff together because West Virginia was absolutely there step for step the entire game. There was There was no difference between those teams. Yeah, I, and I will say, West Virginia is one of the better fronts in the Big 12, but it, it, I keep coming back to this. 17 combined carries for Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks. Like, I, 
at some point, don't you at least have to be like, well, we got two of these guys, so we might as well rush them 30 combined times? Like, I don't feel like that's too much to ask. But again, it keeps being on uh, on Spencer Rattler's shoulders uh, to, to carry this team, unfortunately. And it does feel it does feel like they're playing with fire, right? Like, I mean, it does feel like that. It's kind of like thinking back to uh, it's thinking back to Texas A&M, the way that they were playing was playing with fire, uh, the way that Clemson was playing. They were playing with fire. Oklahoma's playing with fire. They get Kansas State, who they have a two-game losing streak against, by the way, uh, this week. They get Texas the week after that. Then they get TCU, who's a little spicy the week after that. And then, I mean, that doesn't count getting Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State the last three weeks of the regular season. So if they're going to mess up, they're going to have chances to do so. But I don't know. I mean, obviously, both of us had uh, Oklahoma in our playoff. Both of us had Oklahoma winning the national championship. The team that we have seen is not capable of either of those things no. to this point. No. Yeah, no, I, I feel like there's another level. But, I mean, hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is just a Clemson situation. So I do think there's just a couple things. What West Virginia, again, this is looking back, and we're, we want to look forward more in the Wednesday pod. Man, they at one point had a second and goal at the half yard line and got a false start. And wound up kicking a field goal when it was 10-10. And that put them up 13-10. They had the ball on the half yard line and they fall started. And then Oklahoma wins by three. So that's the kind of thing that like that Oklahoma escaped. There was one play that just stood out to me, Shahan, and it it kind of worried me. It was early. I think it was the drive after they were tied 7-7 because they both drove down and had long drives to start the game. Then West Virginia threw a long pick. It was almost like an arm punt. And Oklahoma got the ball back. So here's their chance. Okay, we just got to stop. Let's go. They get third and eight on that drive. And they throw a bubble screen on third and eight. And they have two blockers out in front of the receiver. One guy gets the block. The other guy doesn't. And West Virginia just tackles a guy. And it's third and eight with Spencer Rattler early in a tied game. And that was the play call. And I was like, that's not Spencer Rattler. I don't like that. I want Spencer Rattler surveying the field and ripping something over the middle or surveying the field and sliding to his right and hitting the throw on the move. The idea, like I'll get like, not a give up. Cause I know, I know those plays work a lot, but man, you got to on third and eight. I want it. I want it in Spencer's hand. I don't want a little flip to a receiver. I hope our two receivers each get blocks on the perimeter. That play Shahan, like if you, that increased every doubt I have about Oklahoma, because it's like, it's not letting Spencer be Spencer. And is it because Oklahoma is wondering at this point about Spencer Rattler? But man, they absolutely escaped that game. And I absolutely think at this point that they're going to lose. They're going to lose to somebody. Tech, as you said, Texas, somebody's going to get them because they're not good enough to keep surviving this way. Yeah, I remember uh, a couple years ago, somebody described Oklahoma's offense as every time I look away from the TV and look up, uh, it looks like they're actually just doing a punt return because just somebody's always running so free and it's just felt like a slog this year. And, and I know that there's a lot of focus on Rattler. I don't think he's been the primary issue. I think the offensive line has struggled. And again, the fact that they won't run the ball because of their their uh, fear of their having two running backs, right? But like, this is a situation where your back is up against the wall, right? When you're tied 13-13, when like you mentioned, you probably should have been down 17-10 to and you're still not leaning on them. And mm-hmm. it's one thing to not give it's it's one thing to not run Kennedy Brooks 25 times, right? I get that. You need to keep him healthy. They ran him five times. I I do agree that Air Gray looked like the better back in this game, but like 
what is that? Right? Like, what, what do you do with that information? Like, he ran the ball five times for 17 yards, and then they were just like, I guess we're done with this. And again, right. West Virginia is a talented front. It's one of the better fronts that they're going to play in the Big 12. But not that good. Right? Not yeah. that good. And uh, I, it's it's becoming inexplicable, but that's where we're at with Oklahoma. We have them on alert for sure. And again, they were talking to their game. I think coming into the year, we thought maybe Ohio State and Oklahoma had the two best offensive lines in the country, and Oklahoma has not Ooh. looked like that so far at all all right so you have oklahoma eight i have oklahoma nine you have old miss nine i have old miss five so <laughs> okay okay and and again just like based on what they've done and i you know i get it we've we've gone over that they haven't played great teams yet beat someone come on but again i mean it's not beat someone yes but i don't know who is penn state beaten right who I actually have had ahead of old miss still but i mean i, I well because wisconsin stinks so here's so let's do this. Let's do this. I, I do have the some of the ratings that I said, some of the numbers ratings. They're not the end-all be-all, but I think it is worth looking at. Offensively, Ole Miss in SP Plus from Bill Connolly at ESPN, they have the fifth best offense in the country right now. Um, Florida, which hung right with Alabama, I think has the third best offense, according to those ratings. And I'm going, to me, a lot of, a lot of this is, well, whatever Florida did, I think Ole Miss can do better. And I do think the difference there is for a young quarterback in Bryce Young, who's played great, Alabama was ahead the whole time against Florida. And then Florida kept scoring in the second half and came back. I'm very curious what might happen at 3.30 this Saturday if Ole Miss gets ahead. And I think we need to remind ourselves that last year, Alabama and Ole Miss played a game that was 63-48. Alabama beat Ole Miss. I think, I think if I think if Ole Miss gets to 48 this week, they win. Yeah. Because Bama is not the same Bama offensively. Last what, not, year. Not the greatest offense in the history of football? That's weird. No, they're only the second greatest. Now. Oh, no, man. I, but, oh. But, right? Third, third I mean, behind Joe Burrow, but yes. Again, I'm bringing, I'm bringing the hot takes here. <laughs> Alabama's offense, let me tell you, Shahan. So <laughs> It's only extremely good. Last year, Alabama in that game had 11 possessions against Ole Miss. Nine touchdowns, one fumble, one punt. Nine touchdowns. Nine touchdowns and 11 possessions. Crazy. Ole Miss had 10 possessions, six touchdowns, two punts, two field goals. Pretty good. Here's how the second half. So that game last year, again, against the greatest offense ever, it's 21-21 at the half. Here's how the second half went in possessions. Ole Miss, Alabama last year. Alabama touchdown, Ole Miss touchdown, 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 Alabama touchdown. So now I got I got lost in the song. Let me start from the top. Alabama touchdown, Ole Miss touchdown, Alabama touchdown, Ole Miss touchdown, Alabama touchdown, Ole Miss touchdown, Alabama touchdown, Ole Miss field goal, Alabama touchdown, Ole Miss field goal, Alabama touchdown. Ole Miss never punted, never turned it over in the second half. Their great flaw was settling for two field goals. And a 21-21 halftime game turns into a 63-48 Alabama win. If Ole Miss can do that again, Ole Miss wins. That's where I'm coming from on this. And I think Ole Miss has a better chance of replicating the offensive performance from this game last year than Alabama does. And, and Ben broke this all down, so we don't need to go super long, Shahan. I'm not that concerned about Ole Miss stopping Alabama. Get two third down stops. Get two third down stops and then let Matt Corral do his thing. We saw Dan Mullen, great play caller, find a way in the second half for Florida against this Alabama defense, and Emory Jones executed it. 
Lane Kiffin, great play caller. I think he can find a way against this Alabama defense. Matt Corral can execute it. Everybody knows CBS ran the graphic a couple weeks ago. Everybody knows this. Since 2015, six teams have beaten Alabama at all. The quarterbacks, Chad Kelly from Ole Miss, Deshaun Watson from Clemson, Jarrett Stidham from Auburn, Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, Joe Burrow from LSU, Bo Nix from Auburn. All six of those games, those quarterbacks, nobody threw a pick. Nobody threw a pick because you, if you turn it over, especially if it's like a defensive score, or sets up a, sets up a short field, but you're also denying yourself the chance at points, which Ole Miss practically has to score every time it has the ball. You can't throw a pick. Matt Corral, no picks this year. So I just think it's, I think it's there. It's hard to ever pick Bama to lose, but I think the pieces are there. I thought Bama and Clemson, their unders on their win totals to start the year were good bets. Clemson has already won that under. They were either 11 and 11 and a half. They're not going to win more than 10 regular season games. I've always thought Bama's going to lose a regular season game. Before the year, I might have said Texas A&M, which is coming next week. But right now, Old Miss is here. They barely survived Florida. I think Matt Corral is the best quarterback in the country right now. I told Ben that I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I think Old Miss wins this game. I think Old Miss wins this game. And that's why I have them number five, because I think they're that good. And I think it's a good matchup for them against Bama. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I understand what you're saying. I get it. Uh uh, one, I think that Alabama's defense is pretty substantially better this year than it was last year. So I don't think that uh, that Ole Miss is going to be able to to not not score in the second half of this game. <clears throat> the other thing I'll mention too is that you look back at that Florida game. Like I don't think that you watch that game and wonder, wow, is Florida as good as Alabama? I, I think that so much it was a Alabama goes up and feels like the game is over and calls offense like the game is over, and that was a mistake. I don't think that you're going to run into that against this Ole Miss team. I, I think that Alabama understands that, like, they can go on a streak and score 21 points in three straight possessions. Like, it's nothing, right? Like, they can score that over the course of 10 minutes. And so I, I don't think that Alabama is going to try and sit on the game at any point. And I, I do agree that Ole Miss's defense is improved. I don't think it's that improved. I, I don't think that it's that level of improved. I think the other thing, too, is that Alabama, I think, is going to have the ability potentially to, while still running very efficient offense, sit on the game in its own way. I think that they're going to be able to hold on to the ball to some extent. I think that they're going to try to control possession to some extent. And I don't think that Ole Miss has much to counter that. I, I think it's one of those things where maybe the first half is really close and then like Ole Miss's defense is just on the field for so long getting physically beat up. and and which kind of happened last year in a lot of ways. So I, I want to believe that would be outstanding. That would be crazy. It would probably um, might be enough to, I, I'm not saying it would win Matt Corral the Heisman in week five or whatever, but like it might, <laughs> like it would be you that kind of performance. It might. Right. But uh, I don't know if they do it, then let's, let's do it. Let's boost them up into the top two. Let's, you know, throw parade. We can do all that stuff. Uh, but I'm not going, I just, I can't say that they're going to beat Alabama because, oh my gosh, look at how they looked against Tulane. I just can't do it. All right. So you have Old Miss nine as a result. I have Old Miss five. You have Oklahoma eight. Yes. I have Oklahoma nine. I have Iowa eight. Where do you have, where do you have uh, Iowa? I have Iowa four. I, I think that they fall into the category of teams that I feel like I watch them and I'm like, I don't know if I like this. And then you look at their resume and it's like, well, they've 
done what they've done. And and Iowa State does not look like they're as good a team as they're going to be. Uh, Indiana does not look like they're as good a team as they're going to be. But they found they, they didn't just win those games. They dominated both of those games. And so this past week, they have a very weird game against Colorado State because that's just part of the Iowa experience. But they did win. They are 4-0. They do have uh, two wins against teams that, again, I – I think that Iowa State is probably, at the end of the year, a top 25 type team. I think that Indiana might not be very good. But they've shown enough to me to this point against decent competition that uh, that they deserve to be in this conversation. So I do have them four, but it's more of a, <clears throat> it's more of a like, well, they're one of the teams that have maybe played anybody of substance and they looked pretty good doing it. So I guess I got to put them high. They very clearly are the best team in the Big Ten West, which easy, the way things are looking is not, is not saying much. Congrats. Next two games, really interesting. Friday night, set your TVs. Friday night at Maryland, 8 p.m., Iowa at Maryland. Really interesting because for both teams, and Maryland then plays Ohio State the next week. Iowa plays Penn State the next week. So it's a little bit of an undercard game, except it's not because you have Iowa fourth in the country. We are getting all the things that we're saying, right? We, th- we have big questions about Ohio State's defense. We don't really have questions about Iowa's defense, but we're going to find out how good it is because Talia Tonga-Vailoa and some of those Maryland receivers are going to give Iowa a test. Here's the thing that I am, I am hedging on Iowa a little bit. I didn't like how they played against Colorado State. No shock. No, that was, that was garbage. We can be honest about that. So when, we, when you look at SP+, and they break down, they have the overall rating for a team, and again, the analytics don't love Iowa. They're 28 in SP plus, which is low, the lowest of any team that we're in our 12. They are 21st. No, excuse me. They are third in defense. They are third in the defensive metric for SP plus. They are 91st in offense. Seems 91st. Yes. Too high. Too high. Tyler Goodson's the real deal. We know that, but I wonder they have, they're going to play two teams the next two weeks that are explosive offensively. And if the defense isn't completely smothering and they've got to hang, if they've got to drive to score, because, man, Talia just did something. They've got to, against Penn State, they've got to do something because Jahan Dotson is making one-handed catches for Penn State, one of the best receivers in the country. Can they hang if if they don't force turnovers, if they don't get short fields, if they don't smother, smother, smother? I wonder. And so that is influencing – and as you said, the Indiana and Iowa State losses get a little little less impressive every week in my mind. So where's the big disagreement? You have Iowa 4, I have Iowa 8. Who's your 7, Sean? I have Cincinnati 7. So they have the win over Indiana, who, again, doesn't look great. <clears throat> this is going to be the moment this week, I think, where Cincinnati says, we're here, right? They, they play against Notre Dame this upcoming week. Um, I expect them to win that game. I think that they're the better team. I think that they've looked pretty complete to this point. Uh, I, I like what I've seen from Cincinnati. It's really more at this point just kind of about resume. And and I mentioned it too to some extent, right? Like I'm just looking at teams at this point who like have not messed up. And to me, Cincinnati's a team that's messed up the least. And also I, I think you get into that whatever top six group. And and to me, they've all showed something. Uh, this So Cincinnati's the leader in the we haven't messed up but haven't necessarily shown anything yet and that can change this upcoming week that game is at Notre Dame Notre Dame opened as a one-point favorite in that game currently Cincinnati is a two-point favorite so people are liking the Bearcats but I I agree with the idea of they've done what they're supposed to do and in a world where a lot of teams haven't they deserve credit for that so you have Cincinnati seven 
I have Cincinnati six. And okay. I'm 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 in the same range with you of yes, that's why I have them there. I think they'll beat Notre Dame. And then it is all there for them. And they very much could be in a do what you're supposed to do. Don't mess up. Let chaos happen around you. And at the end of the year, the committee is going to have a real choice to make potentially because Cincinnati absolutely could be right there, but it, they have to get it done against Notre Dame this week. This is their last best test. They have to do it. I think they will. But I did think Notre Dame showed a little, they're flawed. They showed a little something, a little gumption, right, against Wisconsin. Against a, an, uh, Cincinnati's better than Wisconsin. But I thought that could be a game where Notre Dame, after three middling weeks, needed something good to happen. And even if we didn't like it, I think they liked it. So I'm curious to see how Notre Dame comes out in that game. Notre Dame, frankly, Shahan, Notre Dame and Cincinnati are in very similar circumstances, right? Neither are in a Power 5 conference. They both kind of like, just keep doing your thing. Maybe you don't look great, but you've got a pathway to 12-0 and 0 and then make your case. They, they are actually very similar. It's just that Cincinnati has a better quarterback. So this is De- Desmond Ritter's chance to really get something done for the Bearcats. Yeah, the thing I'll say about that Notre Dame-Wisconsin game is that it was 13-10 with 14-14 left in the fourth quarter, and then uh, Notre Dame scored a lot of points in the fourth quarter to make it look like it was a blowout when it very much was not. Sean, I said it's not about you liking it, it's about them liking it. Well, uh, I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Brian Kelly liked it. Good, good good for modern day Newt Rockney, I guess. Oh, you hate Notre Dame. I love it. You don't hate Notre Dame. No, we don't hate. You're just no, critical no, 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 of their football. No, no. I, I just I just don't think that they're going to make the college football playoff. Sue me. You're just very happy to not be talking about them. All right. <laughs> well, you're so making you have, me. I know, I know. You're like, I thought we kicked him out. I thought, I thought we were done. <laughs> you have Cincinnati seven. I have Cincinnati six. Who do you have six? I've Penn State six. So uh, same deal. Like, I think that both of their wins are aging fine, right? Like, I think that Auburn is fine. I don't think that they're going to be a top 25 team by the end of the year. Uh, Wisconsin does not look very good. But yeah, I mean, they they won those games. They won them convincingly. I think that both are still top 30, top 35 type teams. Uh, they look good in both those games. They they went on the road against Wisconsin in week one and looked pretty good. Uh similar sort of deal i I feel like for me because penn state right now is number four in the country in the ap poll and i was number five and i feel like those are two very comparable teams but like i feel like i was been dominant in their wins over pretty good teams that might not be great and penn state's been fine i want to see more from their offense uh sean clifford was very efficient in the auburn game but like they weren't super explosive. I feel like they're going to need to be explosive at some point. Uh, I, I will point out that that Penn State at Iowa game on October 9th, it's going to be an experience. I, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be an experience. So right now I have them sick. No, that is that's that is like one of the bigger games in the country this year, that Iowa-Penn State game. It's, I don't know what we're doing here, man. About. But uh, he did throw, I mean, it was Villanova. It's an FCS team. Sean Clifford threw for 401 yards and four touchdowns last week, which again is 38-17 against an overmatch appointment, but it's also opponent, but it's also kind of what you want him to do. He has played much better, I think, than anybody expected him to play. And so if Sean Clifford's doing his thing, I do think, I I love Jahan Dotson. I like Parker Washington, their number two receiver. 
Noah Kane, a couple guys. They, they, and then their defense, I think their defense is almost as good as Iowa's, but I think their offense is better. So that's why I have Penn State four while you have Penn State six. And I will say uh, in the SP plus formulas, Penn State is number five in the country. So the numbers also like them. They're pretty balanced. Uh, yeah. They have the number six defense and the number 18 offense, again, compared to Iowa. Iowa has the number three defense and the number 91 offense. So you can understand why the numbers like them. And I get it. It's not only numbers. Penn State six, Penn State four. My number five is Ole Miss. And you have Ole Miss number nine. Who's your number five? I have Arkansas number five. So it was it was a struggle for me to figure out if I wanted to introduce Arkansas right into the top group. But you know what? Again, they have two very impressive wins. And and again, I, this is how I try to think of it. I, I don't try to think of it as like, oh my gosh, they beat number 14 and number seven, because I don't think those teams are going to end up being that, right? Texas is unranked right now. I don't want to get bogged down in that. I try to think of how I kind of feel how they are in terms of overall quality and where they might end up. And I think that Texas A&M is going to be a top 15 team by the end of the year. And I think that Texas is going to be a top 25 team by the end of the year. And Texas A&M will have... Hopefully, at some point, a real quarterback that would be real nice. But uh, you know, I, I do think that this win is going to age pretty well. I, I do think that that it's two impressive wins. We can argue about exactly how impressive, but two impressive wins. Both wins, I think, were pretty dominant. I think that both wins were maybe more dominant than the final score suggests. And and so for me, I have them right there at number five. And again, it's going to be put to the test right away as they go on the road to number two Georgia. But I'm comfortable putting them in my top five. All right, let, let's accelerate this conversation a little bit and get to exactly what we want to get to. I had Arkansas seven. So you're a little higher in Arkansas than I am, which is fine. But the bottom line is Arkansas, Georgia, Ole Miss, Alabama. We're yes. going to learn a lot about four of our contenders this weekend. We're either going to confirm, yep, Bama and Georgia are better than everybody else, and then we're going to have to adjust Ole Miss and Arkansas accordingly, or somebody is going to spring a gigantic sub- upset. Just to get this out of the way, because I don't know that the conversation has changed much. Do you still have Bama 1 and Georgia 2? I do. All right. I still have Georgia 1 and Bama 2. So we have established ourselves on why we think that. Who do you think has a better chance this week to win? Arkansas versus Georgia or Ole Miss versus Alabama? I clearly think it's Ole Miss versus Alabama because I just picked Ole Miss to win. I don't think Arkansas is going to beat Georgia. What do you think? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And the thing that I'll say about Arkansas, Georgia, is that it, there's a chance. I'm not saying that it is. There's a chance that this is just a really bad matchup for Arkansas. Because if there's a team that's been elite in the trenches on both sides of the ball over the past couple of years, it's been Georgia, right? Like they've had elite offensive lines, they've had elite defensive lines. And so maybe that's just strength on strength. And Georgia, like I mentioned, is at worst the number two team in the country right now. And their strength is just a little better, right? Whereas I think that there's more of a chance probably that Ole Miss's strength is able to attack Alabama's strength. Because I don't think that Alabama's going to be as good of a pass offense this year as they were the past couple of years. Just because I don't think that their receiver talent is quite to that level. I think that Bryce Young has been better than Mac Jones in some ways. But like I don't think that their receiver talent is going to just go crazy necessarily in this game. So I do think that Ole Miss's strength is more likely to attack not Alabama's weakness, but something that Alabama is weaker in versus I don't know whether Arkansas is necessarily prepared to deal with a team that can compete with them in the trenches. The Alabama Ole Miss line has gone down. Alabama currently only a 14 and a half point favorite. Georgia (laughs) 
Georgia an 18 and a half point favorite over Arkansas. So I think as much as Georgia and Ben are good, I might take both those dogs with the points if I was betting it. It's a um, lot of points for Georgia. I mean, I, I think that yeah. Georgia is really good, but like, I think that it's more likely that it's just a, I mean, basically what we saw this, uh, this past week against Texas A&M, where it's just an ugly game, very low scoring game. I don't I don't see Georgia coming out and and dominating them by three scores. I just don't think I see that. No, they're not going to drop a 50 spot on them. I think it could be like a a a very solid convincing Georgia win that's like 28 to 14. Yeah. Right. And then you'd win with by taking Arkansas plus 18.5. So I don't think Arkansas is going to get blown off the field. And Alabama Georgia Alabama Old Miss is just is just going to be fireworks. So all right. So you have Bama one, Georgia two. I have Georgia one, Bama two. You have Arkansas four. I have Arkansas seven. You have Old Miss nine. I have Old Miss five. That's where all those teams fit. The last team we haven't talked about, and we have not talked about this team very much since they won in week two. We might have to dedicate ourselves next week because I think you have to make yourself talk about Oregon because they're not going to play anybody that makes you talk about them. Kayvon Thibodeau, their best player, probably the best rush end in America, was back last week. He played, I think it was 11 snaps. They tried him out, got him out there in the first half. Then they said they had a plan to just sort of test it out and get him off the field. He's continuing to get better. It's a 41-19 win over Arizona. They're at Stanford this week. I mean, again, UCLA doesn't look like the team we thought they might be. The, the rest of their Stanford, Cal, UCLA, Colorado, Washington, Washington State, Utah, Oregon State, like I don't know who's going to get them, but I also don't know who's going to allow Oregon to look impressive. You were shouting on Twitter during the Oregon game, why weren't they winning by more? Oregon's number three for both of us. Where are you on Oregon, though, and how you think of them? So let's preface this with Arizona has not won a game. They lost big against Northern Arizona, right? Like they are, I'm, I'm trying to think, out of the Power Five teams in America, I think they're better than Vanderbilt. Better than Kansas, maybe. And that's it. Right? Like, this is a terrible Arizona team. I just want to be very clear that we set that premise heading into this. Uh, With nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, Oregon was up eight points. They were up 27 to 19. And Arizona had the ball with a chance to to come back. And then you have a, a touchdown pass and then a pick six that make the score look further away than it was. Like, this was very much a ball game coming down the stretch. It, it was 24-19 at the end of the third quarter. That's, what is that? I, I don't know what to do with that if you're Oregon, right? Like, Oregon right now, they deserve all the credit in the world for going on the road and beating Ohio State. And I don't care if this is the best iteration of Ohio State. They went on the road and they beat Ohio State. Uh, if Ohio State starts losing some games, then I don't know what Oregon's case is. Right. Like, I, I think that it's just so much going to be built around like, well, they beat they beat the brand of Ohio State and we, we don't we won't really even think about how good that Ohio State team is. So you mentioned it. They go on the road to Stanford. I, I think that Stanford's decent. I think that they could maybe give them a, a challenge. Cal, they're going to beat at UCLA. I, I kind of think that UCLA is not very good. Um, You know, so so there's opportunities. But at this point, right, like they can't make mistakes and they came way too close to making a horrific mistake this past week against Arizona. So they're number three. But I'll tell you what, they, they are pushing the limits of what I will accept as number three. Maybe I'll just next week have to leave that spot vacant to just rank them yeah. four because it is there is nobody who is even coming close to competing for that number three spot for me. 
Oregon won the turnover battle in that game five to zero. Oh my it was, gosh. It, it was still a game going into the fourth quarter. And again, Oregon, Oregon won at five zero. Arizona outgained Oregon in that oh, game. So, by, so again, it's by it sounds yards. a lot like sounds a lot like the Oklahoma conversations we're having, right? It sounds a lot like the Clemson conversations that we used to have that we maybe won't have anymore because they lost a second time. There's just teams that we we've at some point, maybe we'll do this next week, Sean. We could add this in. We'll just stop and say, all right, right now, let's make our predictions. We're reassessing. Who do you think is going to be in the playoff? Which is different than ranking teams based on what they've earned so far. Maybe right, we'll that right. maybe we'll make that the ranking next week. The all teams right. you think are most likely to actually make it. That will be our one through twelve ranking. More predictive trying to get a read on what we've seen, but what we think it means, not only what you've earned, which is a different way of looking at teams. I think we should do that next week because that'll nail us down on, all right, well, Oklahoma looks iffy, but do we think they're going to get turned around? Oregon looks iffy. Do we think they're going to get turned around? Who do we think's real? Who do we think's a little, who do we think is sort of setting themselves up for a loss that we don't see coming? That that's going to be so difficult. I, it is going to feel so bad to put at least one of these teams into a four team college football playoff uh, right now, just because I'm like, and and by the way, after this week, it might end up being that uh, that everybody feels bad, right? Like yeah. even if even if Alabama and Georgia win those games, it, it could be so close, it could be so ugly that we just don't feel good about any of it. Which, by the way, is great. It's great the idea that maybe the race is open, right? Like especially if Alabama does lose to Ole Miss this week, especially if Georgia does struggle with Arkansas this week, it would be a lot of fun for this race to be open. But man, I, I did this. Uh, I had this issue too, when I was filling out my, uh, you know, we, we do a ranking of all 130 teams over at CBS sports. And, and so filling out my, my ballot for that was really difficult. And the criteria for me on that ballot is different. Cause I do think that it's uh, I do think that mine's a little more forward looking on that. Whereas this to me is more resume based. So that's yeah. why I have Oregon at three. I think i can't even remember who i put three at this point I, I think i put cincinnati at three because like same deal right they haven't messed up they've done everything yeah. that they're supposed to do and nobody else has really done that and so i don't know it, it's going to be really interesting to see uh because you do have to start thinking about pats you can't just put like i mean you know there are all these sec teams but a bunch of them are going to get kicked out because they're going to play each other and same with the big 10 team so it's going to be really interesting i think to to go through that so i'm, I'm excited to do that next week i'm gonna have a hard time trying to decide whether Georgia or Ole Miss should be number one on my ballot next week, but I'll, I'll work it out. I'll work it out. <laughs> if you want to be a tech subscriber, get in now, get in now, probably Ole Miss. Get in well, now. Well, the question is, the question is when both of them lose, do you put Arkansas number one over Ole Miss or like, because they beat your number one team. I don't, I don't know how you will handle it. We will have Sam Pittman on the show. If Arkansas <laughs> wins that game, that, that I will aspire to. If you guys want to be part of that, that's how we're going to rank it next week. That'll be fun. We'll take your rankings. We'll take your comments on the teams that you really think. Who's a team like maybe off the radar that you really think is going to be in the playoff at the end of the year? Get in now as a tech subscriber so you can give us those comments, so we can read them on the show, so you can vote and rank everybody. We have a great ranking system that sometimes I give you a multiple choice question, but sometimes it's rank these teams. So we'll give you the teams to rank and you tell us who's going to make the playoff. 817-442-6789. When we come back and finish up this episode of the show, it's bootin' time next. The college football playoff show where the playoff never ends. Doug and Shahan back. I did want to touch quickly, 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 because we're a little over. I asked people uh, on the tech subscription for their Heisman Trophy favorite, Shahan, just to get a vibe on people. 
these were the choices that I gave them. Texas running back B. John Robinson, Georgia quarterback J.T. Daniels, Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral, Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter, Alabama quarterback Bryce Young, Oklahoma quarterback Spencer Rattler, and then other. Uh, who do you think won our little texter poll, current Heisman Trophy favorite? I'll give the answer that I feel like is correct to this point, and I think that's Matt Corral. Yeah, also I've been talking about Matt Corral like a maniac for two weeks. 46%. Oh, I've heard. I've heard. 46. I'm very persuasive <laughs> in my own mind. 46% for Matt Corral. Clear winner. Bryce Young, 17%. Last, other was third. Other was third at 12%. Last, Spencer Rattler, 1%. People out on <laughs> Spencer Rattler. Hey, uh, hey right. did, did people give any uh, give any answers for their other? They did, um, but I didn't have time to go through all of them <laughs> because I'm very busy. Let's see if I can read some of the others here. They're all, well, I got to vote. And then everybody else is, this is Ohio State. It's Ohio State players. Because we still have a lot of high state people on the They're all Travion Henderson. They're all okay. Travion Henderson Fair who Fair enough. like it's not impossible. It's not, he not at all. Maybe get to New York. I mean, he's gonna be the guy that their offense is gonna lean on. If Ohio State wins out and makes the playoff, Travion Henderson might be the number one reason why that would happen. So I did not put him in as a true freshman who did not even open the year as a backup, but it's an interesting <laughs> vote. But I also yeah. appreciate every I appreciate my vote. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'll say that uh, in my in my other category, Kenneth Walker, the running back from Michigan State, I think has been really, really good. Jay Kaner, the quarterback at Fresno State, leads the the nation in passing right now. I think Talia Tagabailoa has a chance to play his way into yep. the conversation. Uh, and and a guy, I mean, I, I'm always going to come back to this guy for people who uh, who who listen to me and read my stuff. But Bailey Zappi, the quarterback at Western Kentucky, has been a monster. He's not going to win the Heisman, obviously, but he has been ridiculous through the first couple of games so if you haven't watched any western kentucky which i am 100 percent sure that you shouldn't have which by the way they should have beat indiana this week but that's a whole other thing go watch some of their games they're a lot of fun see i want to do a playoff show so i don't have to talk about the <laughs> fresno state and western kentucky quarterbacks uh, on my on the show uh, i mean the, I open the, the, door. the uh the fresno state quarterback is like the only reason that that uh oregon sits at number three still because they've got to win over top 25 fresno state if Fresno State makes the playoff, again, we should have a list of things that if blank happens, Doug is quitting the pod. So no offense <laughs> to Fresno State. I just can't. I, I don't know. I can't talk. That's not why I'm here. I can't do it. I, I would sound even dumber than I sound already. Um, so the Heisman race is pretty wide open, but it is one of those things. It's like Bama's a Heisman maker, man. I mean, like if you if you beat Bama, it's like, man, that's like the best thing you can have on your resume. So we'll see if Matt Corral can do it. And we'll see who's going to get kicked out. I gave two options, only two options, right, John? I mean, there's not a third option. Texas A&M and Clemson both lost last week. So we got to kick somebody out, and that's who we're going to kick out. I will run through this real quick, by the way. We did our rankings. Georgia is number one in our texter vote, Shahan. The texters are with me. Georgia one, Bama two, Oregon three, Penn State four, which is my list. Those are my top four. So um, Clemson at the bottom of that. Oklahoma's number nine. For the tech subscribers, you had Oklahoma 8. I had Oklahoma 9. We're all in the same general category here. Uh, they had Cincinnati 6. I had Cincinnati 6. You had Cincinnati 7. So we're all kind of in the same range. But the main thing is the Texters do have Georgia at the top. So thanks to them for their votes on that. Texas A&M or Clemson? Shahan, those are the choices I gave the Texters. Who do you think they decided to kick out? I think that they decided to kick out the team that has multiple losses and is barely in the AP top 25. 100% of the vote. 
100% of the vote to kick out Clemson. I do think, because here's the thing. If Texas A&M wins out, they're in the playoff. Like, no doubt about it. They beat Alabama in the regular season. They're the SEC champ. They're in the playoff. If Clemson wins out, I still think they're not in the playoff. So in terms of that, it's not like Texas A&M is dead. They just lost all their wiggle room. Clemson's dead, which is what we covered ad nauseum on the Tuesday podcast. So we are not surprised by this result. I am surprised that we are not talking about Clemson anymore. I think it's possible as we get into a world where we continue to talk about 10, 11, 12 teams each week here, Clemson's not going to make the playoff. I think they might get back in the conversation, though, because if they keep winning and other teams are losing, like if you're a two-loss team that looks like you might win the ACC, you're probably the seventh best team in the country, and you probably are going to work your way back into here even though I think your chances are dead. Are we just going to keep them out the rest of the way, no matter what? Well, I'll I'll tell you what, if they do play their way back into the conversation, it'll have to be solely on the back of their only ranked team left on the schedule. That's right. Wake Forest. So uh, the answer is no, I do not think that they not, not only do they not have a chance to play their way back into a playoff spot. I don't even think that they can play their way back into a conversation. I I mean, and not, not, not just based on how they've looked because they've looked terrible against Georgia tech and NC state, but like, a two-loss ACC team, just any any in the history of the league, right? Like, what two-loss ACC team, even in some of the better years of the ACC, which, like, a couple of years ago, the ACC was a really good league. Like, there was a real argument that it was it was one of the top leagues in America. That's not this year. It's a really bad ACC. There's very few ranked teams uh, in the ACC. There's very too, few teams that have the ability, I think, to get ranked. Like, I think that we're looking at Clemson being in the 20 to 25 range for most of the rest of the year, I just don't think that they can play their way back into a legitimate conversation. And I mentioned it on the Tuesday show. Not only can they not play their way back in with their regular season schedule. Well, North Carolina just got completely beat down by Georgia tech last week. So like, who are they going to be playing from the coastal, right? Like they're going to be playing a team that's unranked most likely. So I, I joke, but seriously, the best team and the best argument that they have left on their schedule is legitimately Wake Forest, which is a testament to how much of a case that they don't have to even enter the conversation again. We're done with Clemson for the rest of the year. Well, we'll have to be on alert for who might be an ACC team that does get in now. Well, Wake Forest, as you said, Wake Forest is the only undefeated team left uh, in the Boston ACC. College. Boston College. Boston College. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Boston College. Come on, there's Boston two of them. College. Boston College who? and Wake Forest, the playoff contenders. <laughs> And Boston College plays Clemson this week. Honestly, if Boston College beats Clemson, we might have to think about letting them in next week. So Boston College and Wake Forest. I don't even think that would be enough, honestly. I don't even think so. Louisville, NC State, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Duke, Pitt, all three and one. So I don't know. Is it Wake? Is it Virginia Tech if they get it together a little bit? I I don't know. We just might be almost ignoring the ACC for much of the rest of the year. I mean, Virginia, Virginia Tech, again, is like Virginia Tech had a chance. They, they lost to West Virginia in the non-conference. West Virginia almost beat Oklahoma. Maybe that's a good loss, but now you're just in the ACC schedule and nobody in the non-conference has done much from the ACC to open any eyes. So we are on Wake Forest Watch and we will praise them to no end if they get in. Happily welcome them to the conversation. That's it for this edition of the College Football Playoff Show. Again, thanks for joining this Wednesday pod. The Tuesday pod, we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. Apple Podcasts, go on your phone. There's a button at the top to subscribe. It's $2.99 per month, 75 cents an episode. You get four 
in a month. And then maybe, I don't know, the calendar works. Well, I guess it's, you might get five squeezed in. I don't know. But at least get four. You get four for three bucks. Pretty good. And then the text, separate thing, but it's only a buck. I mean, it's, we're getting a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit here and a little bit there. We're, you know, we just want to keep this podcast going and every little bit helps. So we appreciate everybody who supports it by listening because that is awesome. We appreciate everybody who does the texts, 817-442-6789. And we appreciate everybody who makes that commitment for the Tuesday pod. We love you. Thanks for doing it. If if you can find a way to try it, we'd really appreciate it. Two ninety nine dollars for a month of Tuesday pods. For Shahan J. Haraja, I'm Doug Maurice, And that was the College Football Playoff Show. The College Football Playoff Show, where the playoff never ends. <laughs>